0: You know, it's always just an incredible joy to spend this time together and I really hope you're well and I hope that in these days you are connecting with the Lord and as we connect with the Lord, He strengthens us and as we spend this time together around God's Word and with God's Holy Spirit, we should be strengthened because of the time that we spend together. That's my prayer for you. As you were growing up, did did you ever have bad dreams? Can you remember any of your bad dreams? Can you remember? I can remember the first bad dream. It was a house, the first one I remember living in. We lived in a bunch of houses. But the first one I remember, I, I was upstairs, and I came out of that bad dream. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I came out of that bad dream, and guess what I did? Maybe it's what you did. I called for help. Dad! Mom! I needed help. Did you do that? We call for help when we're overcome by fear because we need something to come in that is bigger than our fears. Something stronger than the fear we have. And you know it worked because the greatest power in the universe, my little universe, I didn't know a lot about the Lord then, The greatest power in my universe was my dad. And he came in, you know what? Everything was going to be okay. Now we're in a series of messages called Fear Not. Because as I was talking with the Lord, I very clearly heard His voice. I want to just give this to you. The Lord just said, tell my people, fear not. There's a lot of fear It's marching on the streets, it's in people's hearts, they're watching on their television. There's a lot of fear. but the Lord is saying to us, I want you to hear, can you just receive this? Fear not. During this series, we want to focus our faith and see that our faith is greater than our fears. We're praying a prayer we talked about last week. And if you didn't see last week or listen to last week, go back and just reflect on the power of Jesus' prayer as he prayed over his friend Peter. And he prayed that your faith not fail. And we're praying that faith would not fail. We have a key verse that we are uh, just as a foundation to this whole series. And one of the last letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison to his young friend Timothy is the book of 2 Timothy. And this verse is such a powerful verse. If you haven't memorized it, today's the day. If you have memorized it, maybe you want to write it down somewhere, put it on your phone, put it on some screen where you're going to see it more often. Stick it on your mirror because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But, uh, power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, that is a powerful truth. Fear can overwhelm us, not just a, a just short jolt of fear. This spirit of fear is like just the way you look at life, but that fear doesn't come from God. And to understand just the power of uh, the principle of this verse, it helps if we just back up a few verses and put this verse with the verses around it. So I just want you to back up with me a little bit to verse five, as Paul has just said some introductory words, and he says, hey, I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. It would bring me such great joy. And then he says, uh, I'm reminded as I think about your life, I think about faith. It was a faith that was, watch this, in your grandmother, Lois, So what was in his grandmother? Faith. That faith was also in your mother, Eunice. So faith was in his grandmother. Faith was in his mother. These were strong influences on Timothy's life. And I'm sure he says, it dwells in you as well. So what dwelt in Timothy? What was inside of him? Faith faith that his grandmother had. And I love families that have intergenerational faith. I think it's the will of God for you to be a strong person of faith, even if you're the first person in your family tree and pass that faith on. It's the most important thing you could give to the next generation as a, as a heritage. And it was in his grandmother and it was in his mother. And that faith also was in Timothy. Now, get this, for this reason, what reason? Well, the faith that was in your grandmother and is in your mother and that faith that was in you. I want you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. What was that? It was the faith, the faith that he received from his mother and she taught him, the faith that she, he saw exampled in his grandmother. There's a faith that's in you and I want you to fan that spark of faith, and I want it to be a blazing fire in your soul. You received it when we laid our hands on you. Have you ever uh, taken a small uh, campfire that was kind of dying out and gave it new life, put some more fuel on on the fire, and then either... or got a piece of cardboard and fanned it to flame. We know that our faith can be strong, we know that our faith can be weak, but what's the desire to overcome fear? We're going to see that in just a moment. Fan your faith right now. I just pray that you'd put some fuel. The fuel would be just studying God's word, what you're doing with us right now. God's word is a fuel for faith. And then what did they do? They laid hands on him. Anybody that knows the Bible knows that laying hands is also prayer. So prayer ignited a passion and rekindled a passion in Timothy's heart and fanned it to flame. And then he comes to verse 7 with this fire of faith in his heart, a passion in his heart. And then he speaks these promise that we just looked. The, the, The spirit of fear is overcome by faith. As it is fanned into flame, the spirit of fear is broken. What do you need in your life? You need the fire of faith in your heart. God's word, prayer, with an emotion in your heart that overcomes fear. And it's a a, a power of God's presence in your life. It's a power of God's uh, love in your heart. And it's a discipline. And that's what we're going to talk about as we study this verse with you. The first thing that we just see is our faith Our faith gives us power. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, that kind of dread. Fear looks at at life and and is filled with doubt. Fear imagines, have you found this? Fear imagines the worst thing that could happen as being real and then looks at yourself and says, I'm never going to make it. That's the language of fear. The language of fear is doubt. The language of faith says, well, that's not really going to happen because my good heavenly father has something much better planned for me. And if I do run into some challenges along the road, God is with me. God is for me. And here's the beautiful thing about God. He will share his power with you. God God has all the power. He created the universe. That's power. That power brought Jesus out of the tomb. That's power. And he says, now that power, that spirit can also dwell in you. God wants to give you power so that when you feel in a panic, he brings his peace to you. God wants to give you power so that when you feel empty, he brings you endurance. God wants to give you his power. So when you feel kind of cowardly, that he gives you his courage. So let me just share just a few moments how to connect with God's power in your life. Because God's desire is not for you to live in fear, but to live in power. So let me just talk about, first of all, understanding that you need God's power. There's a saying out there that says, God helps those, maybe you could finish it, God helps those who help themselves. You you know that's not in the Bible. It's not even a principle based on the Bible. And it's actually against the Bible. Here's Paul talking to us about this um, place he had come to, just great understanding. He said, it's in my weakness. When I understand I need God, that's when I receive the power of Christ. When I go, I need help. God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who recognize, I need God's help. So admit that. Right now, just say, God, I need your help. I'm ready for your power. I admit I need your power. Then line up with the purposes of God. God doesn't give His power to us so that we can do our thing. Lord, I've got a great plan. I need your power on it. No, no. Jesus teaches us in John 15 that we have to abide, stay plugged into, stay lined up to the purposes of God. It's when we abide in him and we allow him to abide in us that we line up with his purposes. And listen, God's power flows where God's purpose is. Wherever God is working, he's looking for people who will connect to his purpose. And even though it's big, like changing the whole nation is not a big thing, and that needs to happen. He's looking for people who will change this world with his power. So line up with his purpose, and where do we learn God's purpose as well? By studying, understanding, growing in God's Word. And then the third thing I would just say is pray. Literally ask God for power. He promises it to us. He said, I'm not giving you fear. If you feel an attitude of fear, it says, that's not coming from me. What I have for you is the promise of power. Remember when he promised his followers in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you will receive power. It's a promise. And they receive that promise and they live that promise throughout the book of Acts. Here's just one place. It's all over in that early church, and it needs to be in the church today. The power of the Holy Spirit needs to be in the church. And he says, when they had prayed, because they were in trouble, there was trouble on the streets. There were people being thrown into prison for preaching the Word of God. So what did they do about it? They prayed. Now, our voice should be heard in all culture, but we've got to be people of prayer. When they prayed, the place was shaken. Physically, the power of God was so much in the room. I've seen this one time in my life that the place shook. And what do they do? They spoke with boldness. God gave them that incredible power because they prayed. So let's invite the power of God. And that power comes not to dominate someone else, not to, not to exercise power. The power of God comes so that we can operate in love. He says, I give you power, but don't forget, if you're overcoming fear, it's in love. Faith, as we fan it to flame, gives us the love of God. Love is an emotion, and it's a, it's a healthy emotion. It's an emotion that we should desire. Fear is a negative emotion. And we should uh, be aware of our negative emotions. And I've seen a lot of negative emotions lately. We have to identify them. Anger is a negative emotion. Bitterness is a negative emotion. These emotions don't come from God. And if you go to the root of them, you're gonna find fear. Fear feeds negative emotions. So here's what the Word of God says. That perfect love, the power of love, the love of God, casts out all fear. If you have an emotion of fear, even anger or bitterness, love will replace that. Here's what's happening. You can't be, or maybe you've tried to be be angry and smile at the same time. Or or be angry and, and have laughter. The two just don't go together. One emotion overtakes the other one, and here's the picture. Love is pushing out fear, and if you're having a difficult time, let me encourage you to do what the next verse says, come to the cross. Say, I have a hard time time loving my enemy. There's people, and there's power structures, and there's people in those power structures, and I'm not loving them. Come to the cross, because here's the example. We love because God loved us first. And the greatest example of God's love is when Jesus hung on the cross. So if you're having a hard time loving, come to the cross in your prayers, in your meditation. Think about the power of sacrifice. Think about the resurrection power as Christ came out of the tomb. Think about the words that Jesus said from the cross as he loved first Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because that's how our faith is really measured. The very center of our faith is loving God. So He loved us first, so we love God. And that love has to overflow to others. It drives out fear. You can't have a heart full of fear and full of love at the same time. And here's what the next verse says. It says, you can say you love God. Oh, I love God, I go to church. But if you can't love the people you can see, you don't love God. And it's pretty easy. Here's how it works. If you can see people, you got to love them. doesn't matter who they are. Even if they have wronged you, you got to love them. If you can see them, you got to love them. And you go, oh, I'm having such a hard time. Come back to the cross. We love because He first loved us. And this is the very center of our community in following Jesus. Jesus says, they'll know that you're my followers if you love each other. It's the mark of God's people. So he calls it to do this, and it's really an act of our will because we don't have a choice in it. Next verse says, reminding us that Jesus gave a command. Here's my commandment to you, love one another. Again, the next verse just says, this is a command. That love, we have to love. Because whoever loves God, you say you love God, you have to love the people you can see. You have to love your brothers. You have to love your sisters. And that's what will transform this fear-filled world, this foundation. As we say, I love you no matter what. Your ethnicity doesn't matter. Your job doesn't matter. Where you live doesn't matter. Perfect love Overcomes fear. Do you get it? God doesn't give a spirit of fear, it gives a spirit of power, it gives a spirit of love and discipline. Discipline. Uh, The word that's translated here, if you read different uh, English versions of the Bible, it's translated a lot of different ways Uh, sound mind, self discipline, moderation. It's it's not an easy word to understand from the original language. The original language is to be right-minded. It's to see things and interact with things based on seeing the big picture. Not getting caught up in the moment. Fear gets caught up in the moment. This disciplined mind and disciplined life backs up and sees the big picture. And we need today, we need some big picture people who see when you get, when you fan that flame, you're in God's words, you're in prayer, you're in his presence, you're listening to him. He starts to show you, here's the truth. Here's the truth that people need. Here's what will set people free. And here is the outcome that I desire. You've always got to keep this in mind. If you're ever struggling with discipline, spiritual, physical, emotional discipline, learn the lesson that Paul gives to us in First Corinthians chapter nine. In 1 Corinthians chapter nine, Paul is talking about discipline and he takes us into the realm of sports. And he says, now athletes, they discipline themselves. If you know any effective athlete, you know there's discipline in their life. And what makes athletes go to the top is often greater discipline. That quarterback that everyone says, wow, hours and hours of discipline. That basketball player, hours unseen, hours of discipline. And Paul says, you know why they discipline themselves? Because they've got a prize. Could I say it like this? To lead a greater life of discipline, keep your eyes on the prize. And that's what athletes do. They say, I am disciplining this moment because I'm living for the result. I see the big picture. And that's the spirit that God wants to be in us. A spirit that's filled with his power, not to dominate, but to love. And a spirit that sees the big picture. Picture And is disciplined to do the right thing today, not based on the emotion of the moment, but the big picture to see the end result. And the end result is for us the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. That's what we're living for. There's a lot of political things happening today. There's a lot of voices calling for our attention. But listen, if you are a follower of Jesus or you're thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus, let's keep our eyes on the prize. And the prize is to welcome the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is filled with not fear. Why? Because God doesn't give us fear. What is the kingdom of God filled with? love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self self there it is again self control or self discipline it's what the work of the spirit is in our lives so we need to be welcoming the kingdom of god on our streets we need to be welcoming the kingdom of god in our church In our churches, if you're watching from another church, say, Lord, let your kingdom come because that's the end result. That's keeping our eye on the prize, not being distracted, but just continuing to reach out and calling people into the kingdom of God. Not being caught up by fear. I'll say it again. God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but it gives you a spirit of love, a spirit of power, Those go together. We don't have power without love. And we don't want love without power. We want to exercise these together in a disciplined way and that looking towards the end result, which is to say, Lord, let your kingdom come in my heart and in my community's heart and in my nation's heart. We need change. And the change we need is the kingdom of God. So I pray that you've opened your heart to the king of the kingdom. That's where it all starts. The king of the kingdom is Jesus. Jesus is the king. And we need to welcome him in our hearts, in our lives, in this moment. If fear is overcome, let me tell you, Jesus is bigger than your fears. Just like me crying out for help when I was a little little guy waking up from a bad dream. Dad, Mom, we call out to Jesus because he is bigger than our fears and he pushes the fears out with his love and he's so mighty and powerful he overcomes so I just would like to welcome Jesus in this moment and could you just welcome him wherever you are maybe just out loud right now just say welcome Jesus welcome into my home you are welcome you're most welcome in my heart I'm not going to let anything separate me from you, Jesus. No sin, no bad attitude, no negative emotion. I I repent. I turn away from all of that. And I just live in your presence today, Jesus. I want your kingdom to come in my life. And I want to share that kingdom with others. I want to share with people that they don't have to be powerless. That there is a power to change the world. And it's the power of Jesus Christ. They don't have to live a life that is loveless, that there's a love that you give to us in Jesus Christ. So Jesus, I receive your presence and I receive your power. And I receive you, maybe for the first time, acknowledging Jesus as Savior and Lord. What does that mean? It means that he is the director of your life, that you're going to start asking him before you do things. And he's going to direct you. I promise you, the life he has for you, is better than the life you have for yourself. Don't invite God's power to bless your plans. Make sure you're lining up with his purposes and his plans. So I just pray that the Lord will make Jesus so real in your life in this moment. And I pray that Jesus will fill your home, your heart, and your household. And if you're saying yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time, somewhere on your your platform that you're watching, there may be a place, hey, I can raise my hand or do that. Or please just text yes Y-E-S to 941-260-1321. Text, if you're saying yes to God today, text yes to 941-260-1321. We'll send you a free ebook just to help you with your faith. We're just looking to bless you and to help you. And I just pray that the power of God will be with you, that you will not be overcome by a spirit of fear. But in this moment, that spirit is broken. That spirit doesn't come from God. And in the name of Jesus, that spirit is broken. And in its place comes the power of Almighty God, comes the love of Almighty God, and comes the discipline to walk like a child of the King. Hey, I bless you in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed.